Daily Drive is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Innovation. Resilience. Agility. It's how Michigan businesses continue to work together to make a difference now and shape the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org slash radio. Butters, Chief Content Officer at Automotive News, and this is Daily Drive Rewind, a look back at some of our nearly 350 Daily Drive interviews with leaders from across the industry. Today, we revisit publisher Jason Stein's conversation with Bob Schumann, former owner of Schumann Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in the Detroit suburb of Walled Lake. It was a single-point store, a rarity in the world of retail consolidation and dealership groups with lots of capital and big growth plans. Schumann discussed leaving a law firm partnership to take over the family business, selling cars in a small town, and why it was, quote, bittersweet to sell his store to Michigan-based LaFontaine Automotive Group. Here's our conversation with Bob Schumann from October of 2020, just after the sale of his dealership. Bob Schumann, good to have you on the other end of my phone line. Thank you. How have you been? It's been a while since I've seen you. <laughs> um, good. Probably put on a few pounds since you last saw me, but uh, otherwise uh, doing good. Doing good. I know you have such a passion for the car industry, particularly uh, your time in Southeast Michigan, and you are a household name by virtue of the clever marketing, which we'll get into. But <laughs> I want to just talk a little bit about where you, where you see the state of the industry Um in at this point, late in 2020, and perhaps this uh, incredible uh, roller coaster here that we've been on over the course of the last six months. Yeah, well, that's a long question or a long answer, I suppose. But mm-hmm. in a nutshell, I'd say you know, prior to uh, the pandemic, you know, when we were in January and February of this year, my store in Walt Lake was having a difficult time. And the answer is easy. Why? Because of the the FCA VGP, you know, objective new car program. And as years went by, we were having a harder and harder time hitting that number. Um, and a lot of stores in Detroit were. Detroit, you know, is a bit of a unique market with all the employee business that we do and the new car vehicle leasing that we do. You know, 90% of the cars that I sold were leased. Um, and, and so on company plans on company plan. And yeah, and it just became harder and harder to harder to be profitable in the new car department. Everything else was running fine. We were still selling a lot of cars, but you're just losing money to sell a lot of new cars at the end of the day. And each year it got harder and harder. We went from 2016 being our best year ever by far, both in terms of volume and profitability to, you know, 19 being hard. And 20 was shaping up to be the same way. And then, of course, the, pand- the pandemic hit, which, you know, wheels come off, flip upside down, go into the ditch, figure out what's going to happen. But we came out of that stronger than ever. FCA, you know, eliminated the VGP program, at least for now, and profitability returned. So this year has been one of my better years, remarkably enough, with lower volume because of, you know, inventory and supply issues more than anything. Um, well, and the, and the pandemic too. So, um, that kind of factored into some of the decisions that I've made that have resulted in you and I speaking today. So let's 
just wait one moment before we get into that decision. I want you to give our listeners some context. How long have you been in the car business? How how far does it date back in your family? Sure. My grandfather left a small farming community in northern Indiana and had to decide, do I go to Chicago or do I go to Detroit? Luckily for me, he decided to go to Detroit, which was at the time in the 20s, kind of the place to be, the technology capital of the country in many ways Mm -hmm. with the birth of the automobile and he started on a he uh, started out selling used cars actually started out in a model t dealership uh, wrenching on model t's got out of that i think he spent a week in a factory in the ford factory and decided that wasn't for him then ultimately decided to uh, sell used cars on a small used car lot down on fourth street down in the city you can still drive by that little alley today if you so desire and from there uh you know Made it through the Great Depression on that, and then uh, managed some dealers, some Chevy stores in the 50s, and my dad worked at different stores. And then in the in 54, 55, they bought an existing Ford store in Walled Lake. And then in uh, 79 or so, uh, Ford wanted them to move from Walled Lake. That's another great whole long story, but they ultimately decided that wasn't for them. They just closed down. Actually, my grandfather was gone at that point, but my dad decided that wasn't for him. Waited three years, essentially sitting on on an empty store. Mr. Iacocca, we all remember him, moved from Ford to Chrysler, Mm -hmm. along with a bunch of other folks. So my dad uh, knew all those guys and went back in with uh, Chrysler Plymouth in 82, 83 or so when uh, sales were another dark time in the industry. Sales were pretty slow then and uh, and built it up slowly from, I think, 10 initial employees to, what, 60-some employees when we uh, sold it. So you've got to, I mean... We're talking multi-generation and, and, and your role throughout that? Well, I grew up there. I mean, I remember I played in the parts department when I was a kid. I was there for every new car day, which used to, you know, it used to be a big deal. Not a big deal today, but in the 60s, it was a big deal. I was there. I worked as a porter. I mean, I had all I did from about the age of 13 or 4, I had a, I had a Detroit News newspaper route. I had a, I caddied at Edgewood Golf Course. And then I would go down and uh, work at the dealership for a few hours. And in high school, like my, my junior year of high school, my high school was literally, I don't know, a mile and a half from the dealership. My dad would pick me up after school and I would go to work. So, uh, but I always wanted to be a lawyer. You know that part of yes, the story. Yes, I do. So I did that, got into Michigan Law School, went that down and having an accounting degree. It was always like, I always have a backup plan. So did that, became a partner, came back to the dealership because of just Hard to explain to someone not in the business, just a crazy emotional love attachment, call it what you will of the place, which I still have. And I mean, obviously walking away from it now, which I still think is the right business decision, it's it's bittersweet because it is my family. I mean, every piece of paper I touch, I still have stuff from my dad. I, I, uh, It's difficult. It's difficult to put it away. My office, I'm standing in my library at home right now, my den, whatever you call it these days, and it's just covered with piles of stuff that I still have to go through. They were just too painful so far to, to toss. Why'd you decide to leave, Bob? Um, it was just time. I'm coming up on 60. I'd be retired in a few years anyway. I mean, in theory, I love car dealers. Many, many car dealers never retire. <laughs> My son is an engineer at another company you've heard of, Toyota. He's been there right out of college at U of M. He's doing very well, and he likes it. And he's not coming back to the dealership. He's on a different path than I was, which is good for him. My daughter is a second-year student at another place you've heard of, Wayne State Medical School downtown. Mm -hmm. She seems to be doing well. I don't see her coming back to the car business. So there really was no fourth generation for us, um, which is good. 
I'm glad my, my kids are doing well. Good for them. Um, but there wasn't, a, there wasn't an exit program beyond this. And given the stresses of, of being an FCA dealer, um, I just decided that now was the time. And that the, the purchaser, LaFontaine, I knew Ryan very well from my auto show days. Um, we always got along. We're friends. And it just worked out very well. So how hard is that when you, as you stand in your den, looking at all of the family history related to the, to the store, to the stores through the years, how hard is that to, to say, well, uh, you know, the, this is the chapter that's now closed that started in the 1920s, a hundred years ago. Right. You know, I, I think I have a little advantage over perhaps someone that had just been in the dealership forever because I already made a difficult career choice once when I gave up a, a partnership in a Bloomfield Hills law firm to go be a car dealer in Walled Lake. Um, so I've gone through that transition of telling them, well, what do you do? You know, which is what Americans do, right? We're defined somewhat, probably maybe wrong, maybe right. But what we do, what do you do? That's one of the first things you ask someone you just met. And I'd say, well, I'm an attorney. I'm a lawyer. <laughs> and then, so, but then I had to switch it. Well, I'm a car dealer. You want to buy a car? And I mean, you know, uh, I'm a car dealer in Walt Lake. And then I'm the biggest in Walt Lake. And then we got that whole gig. So it, it took a year for me after I stopped practicing law um, for at the end of a phone call for my hands not to go to the keyboard to record the time. Because you're like a technician. Lawyers are a lot like technicians in that you have to record your time because um, that's how you're paid. The other thing was when a customer would say, well, you know, that's just too much. I don't want to by the car, I had to stop that urge of saying, well, I'll see you in court. You know, it's just, <laughs> no, 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 no. We keep talking. Let's, oh, hey, wait a minute. Let's look at a different color. All the fun things that you, you do when you're selling something a little bit different sometimes than when you're uh, in the uh, litigation side of the practice of law. We'll have more with Bob Schumann after this. Innovation. Resilience. Agility. It's how Michigan businesses work together and continue to build the future. Our expertise, talented workforce, and collaborative environment are making a difference now and shaping the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org slash radio to put your plans in motion. That's michiganbusiness.org slash radio. What does the world, from your perspective, look like if you're a car dealer who's not near 60, who hasn't, you know, mentally made the transition out, what what is it? What's the retail space like from your from yeah, your purchase? Well, you, if, if 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 this is the time, you know, there's there's a consolidation is out there, although I don't think it's happening anywhere near as fast as as, as some would say. Um, and I have a lot of very, very good friends through my NADA involvement and my 20 group involves NADA 20 group involvement over the years that have single stores or, but, 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 and I know dealers that have many, many stores. I know I've gotten to know some of the, the biggest dealers in the country, um, through all of my many different travels and, and, and board ships, I guess, whatever you call those, um, it's, it's hard to say how it's going to go. I think the independent store is going to be around for a very very, very long time. And I don't know that it's the, the changes to that are necessarily driven by you know, inside the industry. A lot of it's driven by things outside, you know, the rise of social media, the, the rise of digital selling of everything um, may continue to change our industry. But, but on the other hand, we still sell cars one car at a time. 
people still want some local connection. We had customers going back 50 years. I mean, or three generations of customers. Um, they're still going to look for that connection with their dealership somehow, some way, whether it's just with the people that are there, whether the dealer is a large group or a single store. I still see the, the standalone point surviving. Um, I think it's going to maybe it'll depend on whether it's a metro market or a mid-metro, kind of where my store is, or then those stores that are in small towns and, the, and what their strategy will be. Um, I, I hope that dealers like me um, still exist because I think it's good for customers and I think it's good for the factory. Um, I think it, I think it's stood the nation well over the years. I hate to see it go. I hope it doesn't go. You alluded earlier in the conversation to your relationship with the factory, uh, currently FCA, but previously, you know, some others. Uh, does that does that relationship during or post COVID does that heal? Does it does it get better? Are there is the partnership better now? Because it's, it's oftentimes would, not been. Yeah, I would say that there isn't anything to heal. I would say that I always had very good relationships with the factory, even when I was not happy with something that had happened. Um, again, the curse of being a lawyer, I think, is that you can put yourself in anybody's shoes and, and see a perspective. And the curse of that is I could put myself in FCA shoes and, and see from their perspective why they were doing something a certain way. It tends to uh, level out your your uh, how upset you are, I guess, when you can do that. So I would say there's nothing to heal between FCA and, and I. These are These are business decisions. They're, they're rational decisions. Um, you know, dealers and the factory always have somewhat different goals. Uh, it's just, it's always going to be a bit adversarial. But on the other hand, I received incredible help over the years from many, many, many people at FCA, from the highest levels of FCA down to the, to, to every level of FCA. So, you know, they help their dealers a lot. I mean, I'm like, you know me, I'm not a big trumpet for the factory but on the other hand i have to be realistic and say you know dealers uh of all the franchise businesses in america car dealers you know seem to be the strongest over the years and a, and a big part of it is because of support guidance leadership that we do get from the factory we tend to focus sometimes on the things that rub us the wrong way but um they do a lot of things right and, and as much as we can be frustrated by them um, and wish they might listen to us a little bit more, um, there's a lot more positive things than neg- negative things uh, coming out of FCA. I mean, I, I don't think there's, going back to your question, really don't feel like there's something to heal. I feel good about FCA. They've been good to me through the closing. They've been very good to me over the years. I've made a very good living taking care of my family. I, my wife and I talk about all the FCA trips we have. I mean, <laughs> they took me to New Zealand twice. Who does that? Right. So... They've done a lot for me. Yeah. You were so active. Uh, you have been so active with um, plans around the auto show, both when it was uh, in its traditional form here in the Detroit area and also as it tried to transition to a new form, albeit um, you know up against the, um, the ongoing issues of the pandemic. How about the future of auto shows? You've been so intertwined in that subject. What does that look like, Bob? Of all the questions you've asked me, that's probably the most difficult one. Um, and again, I, I really have been to them. I've been to Shanghai, Beijing, Guangzhou. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've really been to all of them a number of times. And I see, when I, I see shows that are, are, are still packed with people, people looking at cars. 
but, but I, I do I do see some tiredness about them also. And in the sense of, well, it's, it's kind of the same thing and how big and fancy can the displays get and, the, and, the, and I'm familiar with the cost of doing it. And again, we have that whole digital social media um, competition rising up. Are the younger folks going to want to just look at cars on their phones? Maybe. I don't know. I think that we're, as we, as we go through the COVID era right now, we're all learning that virtual meetings and Zoom and all of that aren't quite as, uh, are, you just don't feel as involved as you do when you're actually there talking to people. Because a lot of things happen in the hallway, on your way to the coffee machine, and all that other uh, off, the, off the formal record, uh, at least off the agenda discussion that happens uh, when you're all together. That is something that, that an auto, only an auto show can provide, where everyone comes together from all aspects of the industry, suppliers. and I mean, the Detroit show, everybody's there. Um, I, I hate to see that missed. I think it will survive in one shape or another. We obviously got to see what the world is like on the other side of this pandemic, and no one knows now when that's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, how long it's going to be. We've got to get to the other side. There will still be auto shows of one form or another just because the industry needs forums to come together. To come together, right. Um, sure, yeah. sure. Final thing, those who have been in the Detroit area for years and who listen to AM radio would have heard <laughs> your incredibly talented, quite funny um, commercials. Uh, you know, car dealers are known for commercials, right, Bob? But you, you really put your own spin on it when you, when you imitated uh, back in his heyday, David Letterman and his top 10 list. And you gave your own top 10 reasons to, you know, buy a car at, at your, at your store. Um, I've, I've got to imagine that they're going to be, you're, you're going to miss doing that and others will miss hearing you. Well, I don't know about that second part. I don't think my family <laughs> members will miss hearing me, although I'm not sure my daughter listens to a lot of the radio. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, we, we stumbled around a little bit as our first forays into radio, and we were just doing, you know, stuff that didn't resonate with anybody. And we were literally sitting around one day, hey, what, what makes us different? And someone said, well, we're the biggest in Walled Lake. Of course, we're the only in Walled Lake. And uh, we laughed second and uh, and then this uh, it was the radio guys that actually came up with it you should sponsor the the david letterman top 10 list and that's where it started and it worked and it resonated with uh people directly in fact right after i started doing it i would get phone calls from people saying well you, you know you're the only dealer in, in Walt." yes sir you you got the joke thank you um, <laughs> thank you very much thanks for calling but i saw your car you, you got it <laughs> Not that automotive news ever gets any criticism. But, no. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so it worked. It, it, love it or hate it, you remembered it. That's the key to any advertising. And people that hated it didn't hate it so much. You know, I change it. I used to I change the channel every time I hear it. Well, if you feel that strongly about it, then it worked. Right. So, right. yeah, it was fun. And they, they were always fun. The, you know, the, over the years, I had a couple of, I would go right to the station and do it. A lot of dealers do a spot and then they just let it go i updated it every week i was talking about you know if the lions were doing good well that was a, a rare week but you know right. whatever it was trying to integrate what was going on in the community somehow you know tangentially into those spots and i think people like that too you know if the tigers were on a winning streak i got to work that in there whatever happened was going on yep um i tried well. to work it in spots and it, it worked out you're such an important part of the community. You're an important part of the dealer community. More, most importantly, we will miss you. We will miss those commercials. But uh, Bob Schumann, you always have a home here at Automotive News. 
Jason. I appreciate everything you've done for me over the years. I always had a good relationship with all of you at Automotive Mixed. Great. Thank you, Bob. Best of luck in the next chapter. Thanks. That's it for today's Daily Drive Rewind. For breaking news, visit autonews.com. And for a library of our previous Daily Drive episodes, go to autonews.com slash daily drive. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening.